Warning, what follows is a story of monsters, madness, and mayhem. I am Nick. And I am Zach. Welcome to Weird and Feared, a barely educational podcast about global folklore that aims to enlighten, entertain, and expand sassy little So, sometimes, when I'm looking for something to talk about, or feeling particularly stumped on what to talk about, I don't know, so I'm, you may have found yourself in a similar boat at certain stages of this podcast. Very much so. What are we doing here? Well, I'll just kind of peruse, like, the 50 states. I'll be like, all right, here's a state we haven't been to in a while. Yeah. And by been to, I mean talked about. Yeah, I've, I've been there. That's how I've done it before. Sometimes you just kick around ideas and yeah, so you're like, see if something grabs your attention. Literally that. Exactly that. So again, yeah, sometimes I'll peruse these states. I mean, they're, we're still connected, so that's good for now. So I want to see what kind of folklore comes up as I search different states. Cool. Now, this week I chose a state I don't think about often, which no fault to the state. I just, it's me. It's a me problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how often you think about Nebraska. Not very. Yeah, me neither. Just drove through it. It's there. I guess almost a year ago now at this point. It's a state. Oh, that's true. Yeah. You see anything cool? No, I I actually stayed. I camped there. Well, decent little campsite. Nice. How was that? It was all right. Nice. That's cool. Well, good. You spent some time in this beautiful state. We're going to spend a little bit of time in today. Cool. All right. So what I'm going to... So I... Looked up some Nebraska folklore. That's that's basically what we're up to today. The children of the corn. Oh, I mean, oh, no. No children of the corn. Um, but these particular tales individually, you know, not a whole lot. So that's why I'm going to give you three takes of terror from okay. Nebraska. Okay. So doing that sent me down a little bit of a rabbit hole. Anyways, let's start just a little brief Nebraska facts. And by facts, I just kind of mean sort of the origin, just, you know, origin of the state. Now, indigenous peoples called the land that would be Nebraska home for thousands upon thousands of years before colonizers showed up and colonized. Yep. Eventually, the United States of America is a thing, and it continued the colonizing. The Homestead Act was an especially egregious act which after forcibly removing you know, Native Americans from their land, the U.S. gave land away to white and immigrants of European descent for free to further expand the territory and cement ownership of the area. Okay. Not a great act. Well, depends on It does who depend you on are, who I you guess. are. That is true. It does depend on who is benefiting from the act. But the act itself was a little nefarious to a certain... Group of people who yeah probably had been there, um, <laughs> definitely. So the uh, the influx of the people into the territory, the the white and European immigrants, mm-hmm. that was enough for it just to have enough people to become a state. Yeah, even though again, people had been living there for quite some time. Mm-hmm. March first, eighteen sixty seven. Now, like uh, much of America's founding, on uh, that whole situation again, it's quite an undersell. Not great, I'd say. Just bad as far as the opportunities provided to some and taken away um, from others. But these colonizers, they would build sod houses because the prairie lacks trees, which is what the indigenous population had been doing basically forever. Yeah. The same reasons. Eventually, Omaha was the capital of Nebraska, but it was changed to Lancaster, which was renamed to Lincoln in honor of, well, I mean, you know. Lincoln. President Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> yeah. All right. So like any state, there is a lot to Nebraska's history, but this is a show about a different vein of history. Monsters, madness, and mayhem. 
You tell me what of those three categories this next story I'm about to tell you fits into. I hope it's mayhem. I like your hopes. (laughs) All right. We're starting off with a banger of a question I'm going to ask you. It's kind of, it's just, you know, it's a lot to deal with. Okay. Perhaps you've never considered this before. Have you ever been bored? Yeah. Yeah, once or twice? Yeah, a couple times. Okay, yeah. Today. (laughs) So a recent thing. All right, well, keep that in mind. Keep your boredom in mind as I tell you something about this. Some people, when they're bored, I mean, what do they do? They read, they write, play games. I mean, imagine living on a Nebraskan farm in the early 1900s. Oh, yeah. There's going to be a lot of bored. So much bored. You've only got so many things to do where you are, again, the Nebraskan farm in mm-hmm. the early 1900s. Vehicles exist in this time. I'm going to throw that out there. So early, but we, we got some stuff. Mm-hmm. Earlies might even be pre-1950. So like early, but not like 1901. You know what I mean? Right. Perhaps we're talking about folklore. So some dates can be a little vague. Sure. But again, not much to do regardless. So you decide a road trip is in order. Time to find some excitement. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You've got a friend. Cool. Awesome. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) You and your friend own a truck. Cool. You take it for a drive. A drive across state lines. Uh Uh-oh. One retelling says it's a beautiful new Toyota. Hmm. So, fine. Okay. It's a truck. It's a Toyota truck. Toyota Tacoma. Now, in in this truck are two people. In this story... Who do you want to own the truck? You or your friend? Me. Good. You own a truck. Sweet. It's a new, cool truck. One thing I read said that it had like a cool fiberglass exterior. It looks nice. That was a point of that I saw. So fine. What? <laughs> it was literally just one like, I don't know how many details are fluffed up for the writing. But again. What year is this truck? It's an early 1900s. Don't okay. quit. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Maybe it's 19... It's fine. It's a time. Sure. Fiberglass. Yep. If you don't buy into the fiberglass or that it's a Toyota, it's a nice truck. If you want to make it a Ford in your head and be all American, that's fine too. Sure. It's up to you. Chevy? Fine. No. Okay. Ford? (laughs) (laughs) Some hot takes. Yeah. I ain't driving no fucking Chevy. Yeah. Not today. Nope. Not in this history thing. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> right. Not in this history thing. Okay. So anyways, this dynamic duo, which of course, since I typed you in here, we're going to stick you and your friend drive off to the great state of Missouri. Don't Good. you love Missouri? Isn't it a great state? It's fine. Parts it's of it. Like most things. Yeah. I've, I've enjoyed some times in Missouri. Likewise. Uh, during, yeah, likewise. Like, um, like, Different things in different states. Uh, Missouri sells certain types of things that you can't get in your Nebraskan home. Fireworks. Or so the story goes. It is, in fact, fireworks. Nice. What are you guys picking up? Well, I just told you. Fireworks, firecrackers. Mm-hmm. A specific kind of firecracker. An M1000. Nice. Lots of them. Sweet. That's all you're doing. Let's go. Buying M1000s. Nice. Now you're a farmer. In the story, you're an elder farmer. You've lived a life. Why? I mean, well, one report. Again, I say report, retelling, whatever. Yeah. They're folk stories. Mm-hmm. Perhaps you're an elder farmer. Anyways, we know the drill. One said I said, said it was a couple of elder farmers, two men in their 60s. So perhaps you are a 60-year-old farmer with a nice truck and a whole bunch of M1000s. Perfect. So you and your friend grab these fireworks that are near dynamite levels and you choose to have a good time. Is this a good time? Heck yeah. Well, but we got to start drinking first. How do you make it a better <laughs> time? <laughs> you start drinking. Uh-huh. Uh, did you pick up some peppermint schnapps while snagging those M1000s? You might have. Maybe. Probably butterscotch, Maybe. though. 
Yeah, you do butterscotch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so you've got your M1000s, you've got your friend, you've got your truck. Mm-hmm. I will give a spoiler, no guns. They're, they're left out. But you have M1000s and a lot of them. What about like a tube that I can like launch them with and make them a gun? That would be fun. Yeah. That would make it a better time. Yeah, it would. Um, but you you guys, you don't choose to launch the M1000s at anything. All right. Because, see, well, your farm has been having some problems lately. Lots of problems. What kind of problems do you think you're having? Uh, I don't know, but probably ones that I feel like I can solve with a bunch of fireworks. <laughs> you know your farm. Rodents, maybe? The animal kind. Yeah. Rodent, yes. What kind of rodent? Prairie dogs. The hopping kind. Yeah, I was going to say there's no prairie dog. Well, I don't know, actually. Not where I was. There could be. Bunch of rabbits. A bunch of rabbits. Yeah. So you know how I mentioned, you know, falling down a rabbit hole? Okay. So yep. I found literal rabbits. And will there be a different kind of rabbit holes? Anyways, so okay. Okay. Now, we've been kind of little, you know, just... Just touching the surface of a little bit of role playing here, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what you're doing, you may not personally have done in this situation, okay. but this is the environment you are in. So, in this history thing, in this story, you and your old mate decide to use a bunch of wood piles and kind of you decide to trap a bunch of these cute bunnies. You're looking to have a great time. Okay. Um, you're not buying any pipe to launch M1000s at things. Okay. But you have M1000s and there are things. Lots of them. Lots of a things boat. that you have you have chosen to capture and purchase. Mm-hmm. And it turns out it might have been around the 4th of July. And what better way to celebrate the birth of this beautiful country than grabbing a rabbit, taping a firecracker to it, lighting said firecracker, and sending the rabbit on its way putting the twisted notion in its mind that it was now free and have had achieved true freedom. But in reality, this creature was only granted its freedom from life and doomed to explode. Many of these furballs were doomed to explode. Okay. You guys chose to take firecrackers to the rabbits, light them, send them on their way. The rabbit hops away to escape. Boom! Boom. In this story, you and your friend are the real monsters. Now, like we've said, man can be and is often the real monster. And you are, because you're not just exterminating pests in this scenario. You're making a time of it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how you feel about blowing up rabbits. Don't know if you feel good about that. Me personally or me in the story? You, you, dealer's choice. <laughs> well, I don't think I would blow up rabbits. <laughs> it doesn't seem like... A very good strategy in general or a good time. No. But in this story, you're having a fucking blast. You guys are getting wasted having a blast. And again, that probably is a poor word choice. Yeah, just singing the 1812 overture and just. Here goes another one. And like, you're in like the back of the truck conducting it. Yeah. Symphony of Carnage, yeah. as rabbit parts are being blown across the prairie. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing to do in this land that you've acquired from somehow, or maybe you know it's been, you know, perhaps your ancestors um, benefited from the Homestead Act, and now you have this farm, and you are just blowing up every rabbit you can catch and find mm-hmm. to the the overture. <laughs> <laughs> Up. I'm imagining the movie in my head. It's like, oh my god! Uh-huh. All right, so then you're you're taping, you're talking and taping. By taping, I mean strapping M1000s to rabbits. Good. Even saying M1000 as much as I have kind of sounds a little excessive, you know. Like it's, it's an M1000. But. Yeah. So you just go ahead, you strap it to another rabbit, as you have done so many times before. But instead of running away from you. This rabbit bolts toward you, maybe past you or by you, but he decides to hide underneath 
that brand new Toyota truck that you definitely love. Not the fiberglass Tacoma. <laughs> uh, it's, it decides to take cover underneath. Okay. Not knowing that's not going to save it from what is coming. Because unfortunately the rabbit does not escape its fate. And neither does your new Toyota. Okay. Because they both explode. And they go to the, the heaven of hops. Bunny heaven. Yeah. Not like beer hops. Right. But like little bunny legs that have been blown to the moon. Yeah. I get bunny heaven, I guess, would just be like a nice grassy field. Yeah. Just they hop around. Yeah. Probably, you know, engage in relations with other rabbits. Yeah. That's why they have to, and they have to cordon off the bunny heaven because otherwise they would just go to the rest of the heavens. Okay. <laughs> I liked your your expression. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> what are you talking about? Mm, I'm just saying okay. they could overrun the rest of heaven. So in this world of heavens that you've concocted. Sure, let's talk about it. You can reproduce and the souls go directly to heaven? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> he works in mysterious ways, okay? Sure, yeah. Obviously. No, those souls... Yeah, okay. I'll stop. Okay. Because those souls could then descend into the bodies. Like, that could be... Anyways. So now we're going into reincarnation. Now you believe that rabbits are reincarnated after they're created in heaven. In heaven. So they're celestial beings? Eight. Heaven is like a is like a program where like things are built upon things and sometimes things just work out that way. Okay. It's part of the divine plan. Sure. Seems like a great plan. Seems perfect. Now sure, this this ignoring the uh the heaven of hops and the multiplying bunnies in heaven who are having sex and creating life. That is a lot of questions. Are they gods then? If they're creating life in heaven? I mean. I or when bunnies go to heaven, they just become angels. So then it's like angel on angel stuff. An angel. Anyways, this seems like a parable, doesn't it? Sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um. You know, it's kind of a moral and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, to simply put it, your actions have consequences, but in a more broader sense, how man's actions affect the world around him. Perhaps you shouldn't act reckless in nature. Nah. Could even tie it to perhaps a changing climate. Maybe we've been throwing we've been throwing too many metaphorical M one thousands on rabbits and letting them just go to see what happens, and eventually our truck is going to blow up. Maybe there's something to it there. I'm just saying. I believe they call that fuck around and find out. They really do. <laughs> That's literally what the story is. Fuck around and find out. Now, this story now thrives on the internet. But according to the book, The Mexican Pet, New Urban Legends, and Some Old Favorites, by Jan Harold Brumvand. Now, I need to ask you, have you heard of this man before? No. I don't think so. We should have. Hmm. Because, well, he's an expert of folklore and urban legends. A man so famous for his work in the field, he was nicknamed Mr. Urban Legend. A nickname that would be eventually applied to his book jackets. He wrote many books. Huh. Several books, which I will tell you about. That's weird that I haven't come across him then. Likewise. Because like he looks like a happy, jo- jovial man. Um, he's still alive. He's um, 89. He was on The Tonight Show with David Letterman a bunch of times. He's talking about urban legends. Huh. So from that book, I pull an excerpt, just kind of talk about, you know, urban, because he looks up urban legends and then, like, also looks into the origins of them and just kind of the overall vibe wants to spread. He wants to spread folklore. And there's two gentlemen who often are guilty of the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a kindred thought process. Mm-hmm. Um, and from the uh, from his... Uh, his one of his um, from the book from the excerpt um, "Rabbit Revenge," um, he talks about the M1000s and perhaps you know recants a story of someone talking about even the schnapps. Um, says that there were two bachelors, um, and then he even talks about um, 
that the uh, in one of these retellings that like the explosion could have started a grass and brush fire. Sure. And then they uh, to stop the fire from consuming everything around them and they making threw rabbits at it, making hell on earth. They threw more rabbits at it. They built a wall of rabbits and watched the flesh burn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but they they had like got like a tractor and like dug a ditch to try and cut it off so it wouldn't spread. Yeah. And then um, he goes on to talk about um, there was a letter um, from Paul M. Conley from Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, this man said, quote, I was so convinced the story I had heard was real, I telephoned the Richardson County Sheriff's Office to verify the story, but the sheriff had heard another version in a different part of Nebraska. I'm afraid it's just an urban legend beyond verification. So it goes on to talk about how it's just a story that's going on, you know, mm-hmm. word of mouth. Somebody heard something about something with the rabbit explosion. Somebody was fucking around and finding out, and it caused a uh, a little bit of a problem. Um, and then I'm going to read. Um, there's similar stories, though, about people fucking around with animals with explosives and then getting their comeuppance. Um, Vance, quote, Vance ran off in his book, The Talking Turtle and Other Ozark Folk Tales. Um, he gives a version under the title Cruelty to Animals. Um, that was collected in Missouri in 1932. I um, mean, in, in that story, um, a ball of rag soaked in oil is tied to a dog and set on fire. Well, that's not cool. Oh no! Um, so what the dog does in this situation is, for one, have a bad time. For two, crawls under a house where the rags burn. What do you think happens to that house? Burns down. Yeah, it doesn't work out. Um, the house gets taken apart. And then um, Vance Randolph mentions another story um, where boys decide to just set a rabbit on fire. That's something you can do, I guess. Um, and then hay burns. It burns a hay barn down. That was from 1950. And there's another similar version of people just, you know, assaulting animals and seeing what happens. Um, the Herbert Helper, again, this is... To, like Jan's credit, like the sources he's found of similar stories are included in here mm-hmm. um, from a book, Old World. Uh, it's an old world story from these American versions. Oh, in his notes to the Ozark tale. Gotcha. Okay. Um, a section called Lighting the Cat's Tale. And they trace this story to Europe and beyond. It goes like to, back to like 1888 um, where a flaming cat sets a uh, thatched roof on fire. Mm-hmm. That eventually takes out a whole village. That'll do it. And then there's another story where you know fire is attached to birds who fly in and set fire to a besieged city. Um, that legend is known as the Sparrows of Surinchester. And then there's also things that go back to like the Middle Ages and Vikings attacking English villages, um, and things just get kind of sort of weird, you know, attacking animals. Doing things to animals, mainly blowing them up or setting them on fire, that leads to the destruction of things man has created. Um, a lot of times in recent American stories, he goes on to say it's you know camping adventures and wild animals. Shit happens. Uh-huh. Then it even gets into like people who um, there's one story. Um, there's uh, Jack London has a short story called Moonface that was published in 1902. Um, talks about. Um, a narrator contrives to murder a man who catches trout by tossing dynamite into a deep pool. Okay, we've all heard about that mm-hmm. stuff, fishing that way. Uh, his scheme is to give the poacher a dog that has been highly trained to retrieve them, but then the dynamite stick is tossed out. The dog brings back the dynamite to the master. I feel like I've heard this story before. The fish, and then kaboom. Mm-hmm. So again, just a little excerpt and a little taste of Jan's work. He's got many writings, but again... I just kind of skimmed through that. A lot of information mm-hmm. and a lot of, you know, putting into perspective the idea of, like you said, fucking around and finding out when it comes to hurting animals and your environment. Now, Jan seems pretty incredible by base of all the things I was kind of just talking about. I'm not going to do his breadth of work justice here, but I'd be remiss if I didn't mention some surface level stuff on him. If anyone has even, if anyone even remotely likes, you know, the podcast that we do, I would suggest. Um, checking out his works if you don't already know about him and, uh, you know, search his name wherever they buy books 
and get to reading. I know I need to. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where I feel I should already know about him, like kind of you said, but I don't, and I'm glad I do now. Um, these are some little um, takeaways from the good old Wikipedia. Um, he's got some quotes because he would be known to say that urban legends are, quote, too good to be true, um, end quote, stories that travel by word of mouth, by print, or now, you know, by the internet and are attributed to, you know, friend of a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, he would go on to say, quote, that urban legends, quote, have a persistent hold on the imagination because they have an element of suspense or humor. They are plausible and they have a moral. Um, a lot of the times he's been critiqued for being more popular. Just like too popular? Well, easily, um, the way he writes with his books are like easy for people to consume as opposed to being like, like academic and like going through like line by line because they're urban legends. Yeah, they're urban legends. That's how I felt when I read that. Yeah. Um, Brunford felt that it was a quote, natural and worthwhile part of his job as a folklorist to communicate the results of his research to the public. So he wants to spread the word and get it out there. It's not quite, um, you know, encyclopedia, if that was a verb or adjective to describe his work. It's not, you know, it's not as researched, which yeah. that's wrong. Not as re- he, there's a lot of research involved with what he does, but I guess there's been some, um, you know, perhaps more easily consumable as opposed to like a research paper, I guess would be a good way to say that. Okay. And then, um, goes on to say, um, one of the things that put him on to this type of work, um, was how, his students weren't as connected with folklore, quote. They always seemed to think that folklore belonged to somebody else. Usually in the past, that was something quaint and outdated. Um, so he wanted his students to talk about and think about these ideas, you know, bring them forward because they're part of your culture too, not just to be left in the past. He would also say things like um, that urban legends are, quote, kissing cousins of myths, fairy tales, and rumors. Legends differ from rumors because the legends are stories with a plot. And unlike myths and fairy tales, they are supposed to be current and true, events rooted in everyday reality that at least could happen. Um, Urban legends reflect modern-day societal concerns, hopes, and fears, but are, quote, weird whoppers we tell one another, believing them to be factual. I mean, that's like the entire premise of our show. (laughs) It's why I love this man. Uh-huh. And I just barely got a taste. I didn't even have enough time to dive into other, you know, I got the titles of books that I'll share later, um, but I couldn't, you know, actually get into the uh, the meat. But that the book that I read you a quote from, uh, I think Mexican Pets, is that what it was called? Let's see here. Yeah, the Mexican Pet. That was like on Google Docs, like Google Books. You can just search that and read that bad boy. It's there. Nice. Um, but yeah, when I read all these quotes, I was like, well, that's what we do here. Mm-hmm. The rule of cool. All right, so speaking of rule of cool, let's dive into another urban legend of Nebraska. This one may be a little more recent. Um, I'm going to ask you another question. When you think Nebraska, what do you think about? Do you think nuclear fallout? No, not that one. Radioactive waste? Nope, still not that one. Toxic contamination? Nope. All right, well, in 2011, there was this thing called the uh, Fukushima disaster. Yeah. Nuclear disaster. Wasn't in Nebraska, as far as I know. certainly was not. It was in Fukushima, which is in Japan. Yep. And uh, it was uh, one of the most powerful earthquakes ever recorded, or the most powerful earthquake ever recorded in Japan. Uh, The tsunami kicked ass. And it was bad. Yep. Because it... Rock the nuclear plant, causing a disaster that was, um, you know. Not good. The most severe disaster that came close to that, I mean, was Chernobyl itself. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's not good. That was a bad thing. The point was the plant was rocked, leaking toxic waste everywhere Mm -hmm. in the area. But as you said, Nebraska is not in that area. Do you know anything about the National Review? No. It is a news source 
posted this. I'm going to read it. Okay. In the wake of the world's most catastrophic nuclear disaster, hospitals in central Nebraska have been have recently been reporting several deaths caused by a particularly venomous species of Asian wasp that has found its way into the states. It was reported that these pests have been contaminated by radioactive debris from the failed Fukushima power plant. This has caused them to nearly quadruple in size and become hyper-aggressive. Okay. I actually do think I've heard a, I think we a little all have. bit of this. This was When I came across this, I was reminded of this. And also, there's an obsession with, like, foreign wasps coming to kill everyone. This is, you know... like well, two, got murder hornets. That's what I mean. It's a continuing thing. Mm-hmm. Anyways. As if that wasn't horrific enough, the giant hornet also possesses venom, which is nearly 2,000 times stronger than that of the common wasp. I mean, that would be a bad time. It would suck. Mm-hmm. Ass. Okay. <laughs> it would suck ass. We spoke to Dr. Leon Hobbs of the Nebraska Medical Research Symposium, and he reported the following, quote, I've never seen anything like it. One sting causes nearly immediate necrosis of surrounding tissue. The venom then quickly spreads, causing the destruction of organs. Most victims succumb to renal failure often within hours. Some have had such intense allergic reactions that the complications were enough to cause death in a matter of minutes. Damn. You got wasps killing people in minutes? I'll ruin your day. Unless you're a murdering wasp, I guess. Yeah, then you're just like, woo! Yeah, then you're like, woo! That's the wasp equivalent of strapping M1000s to rabbits. Uh, Boom, boom, boom! There could be a wasp going down the street, just stinging people. Yeah. And then as he looks like in his rearview mirror, if he had that, he's a wasp. Is he in the Toyota Tacoma now? (laughs) He's driving a truck. Just whipping his stinger out. Got him. Got yeah. him. People just collapse. Yeah. From necrosis in minutes. Now, the National Review has published things that have not been great. Let's just undersell it and say not great. Sure. Not great stuff. Not. You can go to the Wikipedia and read just some standouts. Okay. Let's just say there's a quote from Ann Coulter I'm not going to talk about. After 9-11 and bombing just everyone. A lot of cool stuff. And that, you know, that landscape of thought. Okay. So that landscape of thought decided to whip out radioactive hornets into the, the world just because they're just going to do that. Have fun with that internet. Yeah. Because, anyways, I came across that whole quote when I was looking up the origin of this urban legend because it had shown up on a few lists, you know. And that quote, that whole section came from, you know, Snopes.com. It's good. It's a good thing. Um, and just for fun, the um, the question, because Snopes, you know, starts with a question. So this was, you know, have giant mutant killer hornets created by exposure to radiation from the Fukushima nuclear plant killed several people in Nebraska? Was this? Was this? To which they said false. What is it? Go ahead. What are they called? The monsters like Godzilla and stuff. Kaiju. Kaiju. Is it just like a that? Maybe. This is published in 2013, by the way. The Snopes article. Just so you know. I don't know if I saw the newest Godzilla movie. I have not seen there, a couple of them. Are there killer wasps in it? I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, there's bugs, but Mothra. Ain't no wasp. He no. is, in fact, a moth. Yeah, it's right in his name. It's literally right there. Yep. I don't know if there's any wasp res flying around out there. But I feel like a giant... Or, like, maybe... What if there was a swarm of wasps that were, like, you know, big as, like, semi-trucks? Like, attacking Godzilla? Yeah. That'd be bad for him. I don't know if a wasp the size of a semi-truck would be... The sting wouldn't be what I would be worried about at that point. It would be like, yeah, bludgeoned. Or, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, those would be after Godzilla. Not a, not a human. Yeah, they'd just be eating people. At that point, they'd be eating people. Yeah. Because wasps like to eat things. Yep. Anyways, feels like a flashback to when radiation and toxic waste, you know, were like the explanation for, well, everything. You know? Mm-hmm. Radiation doesn't get much 
as far as monster creation goes, it's like a couple decades past. Right. You know, no Teenage Mutant Hornets. Yeah, because everybody really wanted that to be a thing. Yeah, and just like... we kept probably... You know, our government was probably exposing things to radiation. Yeah, just to see... To if see it did oh, anything. of course. And... They'd just be finding out a bunch of... Oh, this whole town's full of cancer. Mm-hmm. What happened? We tried to make super people. Yeah. We were too <laughs> much... <laughs> yeah. It didn't work. No, we tried... We were too many issues of The Incredible Hulk and thought we could make a bunch of Hulk armies and... We ended up just killing a bunch of kids. Whoops, we're the government. Oh, that's nice. You're welcome. Yeah, cool. Pay your taxes. Yeah. But give us money, though. Yeah, you, <laughs> you paid for this. Yeah. Oh, for fuck's sake. But yeah, that being said, you know, somebody really desperately wants, like, swarms of, swarms of like, murdering hornets to be a thing. I mean, I'm fine with it. It adds some excitement to my day. But they're trying to, like, will it into existence? Do you really want to be battling... Do you want to add that? They really try with the murder hornets. I told and that you I was get like, bored a lot. So, like, if I got to go out, every time I go outside, I got to watch out, defend myself from giant murder hornets. Things get a little bit more interesting. How would you defend yourself against a bunch of murder hornets? Definitely, like, a baseball bat or a tennis racket. And if we're during, dealing with the radioactive murder hornets, they would be, like, four times the size of, like, a normal. But, I mean, there's also, like, Asian... That's why I'd use the bat. Asian wasps and shit get pretty fucking big, and they are scary looking. They are huge, mm-hmm. like just normal. That's what a tennis racket is good for. It's a giant fly swatter, right? Yeah, that's true. You got no resistance. You can swing no. hard. Whoosh. Yeah, bam. Would you tie any like razor blades into it? No. Okay. <laughs> I don't know who would think that. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> what a weird thought someone would have. Thank God nobody had that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, okay. So I just again that came up on a few lists. So like whenever you're just looking for like cryptids. In like Nebraska, mm-hmm. radioactive wasps come up, and it's literally just this. It's always like a paragraph or two. It's like okay, yeah, that's why I, I'm pretty sure I've actually heard that one before. Uh, I might somehow this might have came to my mind when I thought about the murder hornets a couple years ago. Because believe it or not, murder hornets are a couple years old now at this point. Yeah, because time just keeps marching on. You know, well, those are real though. They are, but they didn't really. Destroy the nation like everybody thought they were. Yeah, they don't murder people. No. And like the first person who they just murder goes like, bees. Like murder hornets. It's like, slow down. Yeah. I mean, nobody likes a wasp, but come on. No. All right. So, there's no good segue to jump into the next urban legend from radioactive wasps. Just rip that bandage so, off. So, we're just going to do it. We're just jump back to the early 1900s. Good. We got a little early 1900s sandwich. In the middle of it are radioactive hornets that yep. were affected by Fukushima radiation. All right. We're going to jump to a one-room schoolhouse in Portal, Nebraska. Portal? Portal, Nebraska. Okay. An unincorporated community in Sarpy County. Now, this house, schoolhouse, has since been moved to the county seat of Papillion. Um, Portal collapsed as a town in the early 20th century, and the school was moved because of flooding and closed in 1993. It was being used for things until then. And then in 1995, it was bought by the Papillion Area Historical Society, where it exists as a part of local culture. But anyways, the school. Early 1900s. The school teacher was a kind soul and a woman of the community. Her name was Holly. She taught kids, and everyone was happy. The end. Just kidding. Mm-hmm. You know how school children can be. How merciless. A little bunch of shits. Yeah, definitely. You can also know how cruel and vicious adults can be. Hmm. Really? Vicious, bigger shits. <clears throat> now, what came first? A bunch of unruly school children tormenting a nice teacher or a teacher who was already broken in more ways than one? Do you like where this is going? It's probably fine. Uh, not really. <coughs> not a fan? Uh, we'll see. Yeah. If after this you're like, yeah, that's awesome. I love this. I love that broken would be, teachers. That would be why. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. No. Did she believe the students were under some kind of evil influence? Oh. Someone wrote a little short story based on this folklore that I read, so I threw that in there. That's generally not a part of the telling. Okay. 
Um, but we, because I throw it in there because we will never know truly what happened. But something led to Holly locking, barricading, locking slash barricading the school doors shut and then making use of a hatchet to murder every single kid in her care. Well. So, again, to the point of, you know, wait and see, are you a fan of that? It's probably still not a fan. Well, don't put words in my mouth. It's, I apologize. <laughs> I did say probably. Yeah. I won't. I don't want to jump the gun. That seems like a bad thing, though. Yeah, right. Not uh, Not ideal. No. So either while still alive or posthumously, um, this teacher used her hatchet to remove each of the kids' heads and place them on their desks. That's a nice little detail, I guess. To make it better? No. <laughs> no. Hmm. Certainly not. Now, some tales don't mention the decapitations, because how much bloodshed do you really need? I'm American. I need a lot. Well, when all retellings mention the horror that follows... Teacher doesn't. Well, the teacher wasn't done cutting, and in some cases, Good. again, if the heads didn't come off, she is doing this for sure. She went and removed the hearts from all the students because with the hatchet. That's not an easy thing to do. Imagine sure. that's like an all-day affair hatcheting through someone through a bunch of kids' rib cages to rip out their yeah. hearts. That'd be a bad time. Uh, she then sauntered outside to a nearby bridge again after she unlocked and unbarricaded the door. And uh, walked to a nearby bridge. Bridges, of course, go over water. And she dropped her collection of hearts into the river. She just got those, too. She did. But perhaps this is where she felt they always needed to be. Um, Holly, forever known after as Holly Hatchet, um, either killed herself because her job was done, a job not being the teaching but being the murdering of the kids, um, or out of grief, realizing she just killed a bunch of kids and maybe that was a bad thing to do. Whoops. Oh, fuck. I didn't think that one through. Uh, but maybe not. Perhaps she didn't kill herself at all and just kind of, you know, clean up her hatchet and left town like school teachers were known to do back in the day. Um, regardless, the school would be and is still called Hatchet House. It's a good name. Pretty good. I like the alliteration. Now, there were no mass murders in this building, according to facts and newspaper articles and actual documented evidence. Well, what do they know? Probably not much. They weren't there. But the story, they were not there. But the story is so wild, again, it's still worth telling and worth talking about, which is why we're doing so. Uh, the school may be gone, because it was removed from that location, but the bridge, sometimes called Heartbeat Bridge, um, is still there. And I'll read a section in just a second about how the bridge might have actually been moved, but it exists. Anyways, the point is, people swear they feel bad vibes and hear the heartbeats of little children when near. Now, this is an excerpt from a, a geocaching site. Do you remember geocaching? Yes. Okay. Quote from the site. This cache brings you to a bridge that brought forth a lot of memories from high school. My senior year at Miller North High School was one of the funnest years in my life. I enjoyed many friends and we had many adventures, one of which is visiting Hatchet House, which used to be the old portal school near 120th and Giles Road, which back then was in the middle of the country. But to get to Hatchet House, you had to cross Heartbeat Bridge first. Heartbeat Bridge was an old rickety bridge. Supposedly, when you walked across the old wood planks on the bridge, your footsteps would echo over the ravine below and sound like a heartbeat. Also, if you visited this bridge when there was no moon, you looked over the bridge's side. The blackness of the water below made it look like you were staring into a bottomless pit. It was a great time coming out into the country after a high school basketball game and scare the girls we had in the car with us by visiting Heartbeat Bridge and also Hatchet House. Just down the road. Nice. Good move. Mm -hmm. Alas, this, however, isn't the true Heartbeat Bridge. This bridge was just around the corner from the bridge that I grew fond of. This, this bridge also crossed the Papillo Creek south of 120th and Giles. It was built approximately in the mid-1940s and is noted for its bolted, welded arch design. It is the only bridge of this design in the inventory of the state of Nebraska. It was formerly listed in the National Register of Historic Places. It was moved to this current location in 1999. Again, folklore, urban legends, freaking Nebraska. Uh-huh. 
people telling stories to each other to freak them out or letting rumors run wild. It's still kind of offensive to me that radioactive hornets comes up in searches for Nebraska cryptids or monsters. Yeah. When it was entirely made up for clicks. But isn't that why older newspapers and then TV reporters obsessed over big feet and whatever else they could get their hands on? Mm-hmm. For viewerships. For eyeballs. Like everything, monsters have been monetized because monsters sell. Which I get. But like radioactive Japanese hornets in Nebraska. Yeah. That's what we want to do. Like, that's what we want to do? I mean. That's what we're doing? Like I said, it sounds like it would make your day more exciting. It certainly would. Mm-hmm. And then like, then there would be these days where people would, of course, be like, hornets aren't so bad. Yeah. <laughs> You should bring your and you like you bring your racket with you just in case. I'm not scared of no hornets. They don't even exist. Mm-hmm. And then they'd be lying in their hospital bed as they die from renal failure and necrosis, wishing they had their tennis racket. Yeah. Well. Oh well. Oh well. Believe in radioactive hornets. Don't, don't believe in radioactive. <laughs> 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 ah. But as we're wrapping up, I mean, some books by Jan that everyone um, who enjoys this podcast should look up. Again, if you weren't aware of Mr. Jan Harold Brunvand already, you should be. All of his books have found their way onto my never-ending must-read lists. Here are some books that he has written. Um, The Study of American Folklore, An Introduction. The Vanishing Hitchhiker. Um, That's a a classic folklore story. Uh Yep. Trope. It is a very good one, right. And then uh, Too Good to Be True. Um, I think his last work was in 2004, which is Be Afraid, Be Very Afraid. Okay. Uh, Encyclopedia of Urban Legends, which I do want to buy because it's got a bunch of cool illustrations in it. Nice. It's from 2001. And then the, uh, the Choking Doberman and other urban legends. I do not know that legend. I don't know that I one I would like all. to learn about it. Yep. And then, um, oh, What? That's what that subtitle says? I thought the title of the it was just the because I took a screen cap of it of the mm-hmm. listing of his books. The Baby Train and other lusty urban legends. Why is the baby train oh, a what? lusty what the from nineteen ninety three? It's like, well The Baby Train and Other Lusty Legends. I mean I don't like that. I doesn't like I'm I'm curious about what that is in fact about, but I don't like it. And then, uh, yeah, Curses Broiled Again, and the cover of that book is a woman in a tanning bed. <laughs> this, the, uh, the tagline for that is, the hottest urban legends going. So, I mean, this man, who I didn't know about until today, gets into some shit, and I would like to be also into this shit. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds right up my alley. Yeah, I'm a huge fan. But yeah, that's a brief glimpse of some Nebraskan folklore, um, a story of... Bunnies, bugs, and butchery. But I mean, just some fun stories, and I got introduced to a cool author I didn't know about. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's kind of neat. Yeah, I like that. Uh, All sorts of good stuff in there. Yeah, you know, I mean, crazy, wild. Again, hatchets. So many legends involve people getting murdered with hatchets, because hatchets were, of course... Used to chop wood, which people needed to do Mm -hmm. lots of things back in the day. Hatchet's a very useful tool. Everybody should own a hatchet. Just don't murder people with it. Right. Don't uh, don't do any mass killings or any killings. Don't even do like a not mass killing. (laughs) Like normal killings are bad too. Try not to kill anything. Yeah, just anyone. Yeah. Unless you need to hunt, you use it to kill a rabbit. I don't know if you want to be hunting with a hatchet. I mean, you can. I watched a new movie recently. Did you? Yeah. I was <laughs> yeah. <gonna> ask. <laughs> that, was good. that was on my mind the whole time. <laughs> Thinking about hatchets and bunnies. I was like, hmm, interesting. Yeah. Huh. But yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah, that that sounds like that almost sounds like a behind the veil conversation. Yeah. Probably. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, bunnies, bugs, and butchery. I guess that's what we'll call that. I didn't know what to call it. It's Nebraska sure. folklore. Yeah. You know. But I mean if you know about any other folklores or if you know about um, you know, Mr. Brun Van, his books, you can email us at weirdandfeardpodcast at gmail.com. Support us on the patreon.com. Shots Weird and Feared. We're behind the veil is a podcast we do where we kind of 
shoot the shit and sometimes talk a lot about Star Wars. Yeah, probably talk a lot about Predator tonight. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, something <laughs> something might be preyed, preying upon our psyche. Yeah. Some Yacha talk. Mm-hmm. Is that a podcast, Yacha talk? I don't know what that means. Yacha is the uh, expanded universe name of the race of the Predator. Oh, I got you. Okay. That never mentioned on screen, <laughs> but it's just there are... Yeah. I've been visiting a few, this little elements aside, you know, a few, I don't know why I go on the internet and like want to know what people say about things I like. Yeah. It's a sickness. Yeah, it's a problem. A lot of people like Prey, mm-hmm. so that's good. But then like there's some guys that like, there's whole like paragraphs about how like the intricacies of like the Predator lore is not, I'm like, guys, guys I, I feel you. Down. I feel you, man. I do. But it's, it's a little, it's, I, it's fine. I, I mean, I, I am also that nerdy of a person. But I guess not because I don't post the 18 paragraphs. I mean, I have in the past, so I guess we're all in different stages <laughs> of our life. You know what I mean? So there's that. Okay. But it's like, all right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, you know. Yep. Cool folklore and stuff. Oh, yeah. Prey was fun. Yes, it was. But uh, yeah, watch out, guys, for predators. Mm-hmm. And s- stay spooky. Stay spooky. Stay <laughs> spooky.